Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Reverse Sweep. We're back this week and we're back hot. Boys, how are we doing? Doing great. Doing as good as I could be. What about you, Chris? Doing good. Uh, had Challenger Elite last week. Uh, we're going to continue playoffs uh, this coming week. So, I mean, it's been eventful for me with the, you know, the, the retirement of Scump and the Elite and uh, just more shows, man. I've, I've been very, very busy. I love that. I love that. Now, I want to start this off because we do have a problem. And I'm going to give you guys a chance to guess what that problem is. Do you know what the significance of 53% is? Any guesses? I'm going to guess that's the subscribe to view ratio. That's the amount of people who watched last episode's reverse sweep and were not subscribed to the channel. Guys, we're not going to flood you with inboxes. You get one reverse sweep a week. Your, your inbox isn't going to be full. 53%. You might be on That's a different Google account. It, it, it's too low. It's too low. We're going to improve it this week. Make sure you hit the sub button. And let's get on with this. We, ha we had a, a, a crazy week that I don't think anybody was expecting. Um, Scump retired this week. And... It feels weird to even say that at this point in uh, the season because I think we all thought we had one more year left. Um, what was your guys' initial reactions when the news came out? Um, I, I mean, I was just kind of upset. Um, I've never been on the best terms with Scump. I've said this multiple times on other shows and stuff. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the guy's a vet. The guy's one of my peers. And as a competitive uh, player, I've always respected him and his accomplishments and his skill. And um, I was interested to see, you know, how his final year would pan out. And uh, even though he was still at the top of his game, I mean, you could tell in his matches he was performing really well. Um, he decided uh, to, you know, throw in the towel. And I mean, I was just, I was kind of surprised. I was kind of uh, upset, man. I've always uh, championed all the the older players, even though I'm playing in challengers. Um, we still got Clayster, even even Zinni, um, as much as he's still kind of young. Um, he's one of the old heads, and it was just it was I was uh, I was just so saddened um, by the prospect of you know, damn man, we're getting older. You know, people got lives. People are going to eventually start retiring, and we're just not going to see these guys anymore playing. It's it's pretty sad. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I think that has happened, right, Chris? Like Seth is, you know, kind of one of the one of the few last dominoes of, of that kind of bucket of players that are that are retiring. Um, yeah, it was it was shocking to me to see that he caught it quits mid year. Uh, obviously, I mean, I had thought this was going to be his last season, as he as he said. And, but I know when when I really looked into it, like I mean, we saw we heard the rumors in the off season. He didn't really enjoy playing as much. He was debating it then. Um, and so I think, you know, this the situation that, that we, we obviously covered last week with the roster drama, I think honestly that played a massive role. I think if, if they were able to get Pred and, and make that deal go through, I think Seth would have stayed. I think he would have stayed and finished out the year. Um, and I think that would have been kind of like the honeymoon-esque uh, type of thing he would need to stay. But I think it was clear he was just kind of to the point where he didn't enjoy playing as much anymore. Right, skill level was irrelevant. Like he was still playing very, very well, um, but he just didn't enjoy it as much. And that happens as you get older. It's happened to a lot of players. Um, it happened to myself. Um, there's some that obviously, Chris, I know used to have some some left in the tank in terms of passion for competing, but um, I think he just his gas tank finally ran out of just 
I'm not sure if I I want to be doing this every day. I think I saw I saw like a, a a clip where he was just talking about like what his life's been like, not waking up and scrimming every day, and he's like, "Damn, like finally." Um, because it, I mean, it is a grind, and it's been a long time coming, right? It's been 13 years of doing that every day. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him that he was able to make that that decision, and and probably for himself for the better. Um, but it does suck, and I think it, and I think it does suck for the scene as a whole. So um, it's never fun when you see uh, when you see some of those kind of old heads that's been around so long uh, go out. Now, do I want to like dive. My bad, my bad. No, uh, no, to you're cut good. you off, James. No, but I don't want to dive too much into his personal life. But pretty sure he's getting married like yeah. very soon, uh, probably this year. So I mean, like, dude, this guy doesn't want to like keep having to wake up and scrim and, and worry about competing. Like, this guy's trying to get married. He's trying to like you know spend some time with his wife. You know, go out on a honeymoon. He's not going to be able to do all, any of that stuff when he's still competing, right? It's like a full time job. You you got to be there for scrims. You got to be there for tournaments. Like, the guy is clearly at a point in his life where he's ready to move on. But man, dude, he looks happier than ever. Man, he's he's been turning the stream on. He's been doing the watch parties, and I mean, obviously, he's going to kill it. Like the guy's getting more viewers than the CDL stream. Like, yeah. you know, he uh, he's going to be just fine. The guy looks relaxed. You see you see him on the stream, and he just looks relaxed. He looks like he's sitting back having a good time um it's a little Probably bit would be two with ninety thousand viewers though james yeah yeah <laughs> that's true that's true um it's a little corny it's a little bit of a corny question but i think that like from my perspective um you guys offer kind of a unique experience um what was your do you remember like your first interaction with scump uh whether it was playing him online or on land and what was that like did you any first impressions I mean, dude, back in the day, we were all little shits, myself included, but dude, he was no different, man. The guy had a bit, dude, I remember when he was coming up in MW2, I played against Skylight. him in something, Skylight. and dude, he was so cocky and like arrogant. I mean, I was the same, so obviously my pride and his pride definitely clashed, and I mean... I don't remember exactly what, you know, what went down, but I mean, it definitely wasn't a pleasant one, but I mean, dude, I mean, as, as the, you know, future, you know, showed the guy was disgusting, um, throughout the entirety of his career, but yeah, dude, skylight VWS, that whole yeah. um, organization was such a sham. But anyways, my, I my mean, first, it, it was funny. My first meeting, my first time meeting Seth was actually the, when, when we picked, I picked him up in the beginning of black ops one. Um, and I met him at the airport for the first time ever. It's Dallas 2011. Um, he, it was like, it was me, uh, my dad came to that event, uh, Bobby came, uh, Seth and it was either Seth's mom or Bob's mom. It was one of the two. Um, and we all met up and, and Aquanic had got us like a big SUV Uber and like the whole way from the airport to the, to the hotel, Seth was just a massive goofball. So that was like the first time ever meeting Seth, like just always cracking a joke and, and laughing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. But that's crazy to think about because that was literally 12 years ago. Like that's a long ass time. Like it's it's been a, it's been a long time. That's unreal. And do you guys have like a, I guess a favorite scump memory? Um, I I personally, from a fan's perspective, um, I know it's not one of the craziest moments, but the first like LAN I ever went to was Anaheim in Black Ops Four, um, and. First time going to one of the events and and the one v one with him and Selium, um, for the reverse sweep against Phase, that one will probably go down in, in my books just because I was actually there and got to experience it. Um, but I mean, there's been so many crazy moments that the guy's been a part of. I don't know if you any, anything comes to mind for you boys, Pat. I assume it's winning together, but 
Yeah, I mean, I had a couple of those in, in 2011 where we won together, but a lot of my favorite memories were, were against Seth. Um, so I might might be a little biased since they were against him uh, and beating him, and, and I've, I've lost a few times. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, going back to those 2011 events where we were, me and him won our, technically our first LAN event together, um, and that was that was super awesome. That was super awesome to do. Yeah, I'm probably in the same boat. I mean, I had a lot of moments uh, back in the old BO2 days uh, playing against Scump and the Optic crew and and beating them. But I mean, I can I can remember a moment that I mean, looking back on it, it was it was uh, it was it was sick. But I mean, it wasn't a pleasant moment at the time for me. It was um, I remember I used to call the Scorpion an online gun. Scump would use it all the time online. I'm like, mm. oh my god, the Scorpion sucks on land. And then uh, he pulled up to uh, I think it was uh, MLG Orlando, like it was an Invitational, the full sale Invitational, I think. And I was on Unite at the time, and we played Slums Hardpoint. Lo and behold, man pulls out the Scorpion, and he was just world starring. Like yeah. he was world starring our entire team. Um, there's a bunch of clips of that on YouTube, and uh, yeah, dude, the guy was frying. I mean, we can't speak about his talent enough. That guy's, you know, one of the best, if not like the best player, um, you know, longevity wise and skill wise and stuff like that. Yeah, so you guys, you guys are telling me that you actually like enjoyed beating Optic from time to time. It was a, it was an enjoyance. Hell yeah, bro. Me, me and Power are both villains, bro. We were the villains. So, like, the Green Wall were always, like, the superheroes, the good guys, the Avengers. And, like, bro, they always, obviously, everyone wanted to see the Green Wall win. Yeah. So, you know, naturally, when at points in time, me and Pat were the best player, not best players, but best teams at, at the certain games, yeah. whenever we would beat them, like, dude, we used to get hella hate from all those hey, guys. One of, my, one of my best turn-ons in my career is actually against Seth and Ghost. And <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure those watching can find that clip out there somewhere, but, but yeah, I would say that the favorite moments are definitely playing against them. I love that. I love that. So, I mean, let's move on from uh, it, it happened, but we, we also got our first experience of what the, the post-retirement Seth looked like um, with this watch parties. And obviously the viewership was incredible across the weekend to be expected. It's the first weekend back. Um, I have a weird take, though, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Oh, I'm and, curious and, if we have the same take here because I, I had a weird one, too. And I was, I was going to bring it up. I, I want to argue a little bit that that Seth might be able to help the the scene more now than when he was playing with these watch parties because like experiencing the watch parties and 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 the audience that he's going to start to bring in from when he does play Warzone and does play other games and gets a little more niche plays with people like Tim the Tatman and then he has this unique perspective and I guess it works well with this game because he did play it already at a professional level where he's able to give like insights on certain things. Like he was quizzing the chat today where they were like, oh, on embassy B control, like what's the most important spot to hold on this chat? Like, well, what should we be holding right now? Embassy and, B control does not exist. Anyways, anyways, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. And and so he gives this unique perspective on on the game and, and maybe it can help bridge the gap between casual casual watchers and and the cdl thoughts um i definitely can see the point i mean dude this guy's obviously going to pull in he's going to pull in more viewers than at least the the league match streams i don't know how it's going to be at the majors probably will pull more at the majors but at the end of the day the metrics the metrics and stuff like that that gets sense sense of sponsors from these watch parties are all the same so it doesn't matter if people are watching uh him more than the cdl stream it's all it's you know it's all going to go to the same place so i mean you know this guy's going to pull in a ton of viewers and even some of the more casual fans and um 
it's almost like to a degree, it's going to be like people are always watching an optic match, you know, when they're watching his stream. Does that make sense? Because people are going to yeah. watch his stream regardless if optic is on and playing or not. So, I mean, I do see that he can definitely benefit the scene more if he is uh, not playing anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, I definitely think it's possible, but um, I guess the the concern would be there is like, not I guess not a concern, but do we know or has he said, like, is this going to be a consistent thing that he's always going to do? Like, is this yeah. going to be something where he's live every weekend, every major, he's doing every watch party for every time the CDL is live? Um, that's a big question for me, like, because you mentioned like him playing other games and there's always the possibility that he falls in love with another game and wants to do that more and doesn't yeah. want to do the watch parties as much. I mean, obviously, this is all new. It's all exciting. I'm sure he's been planning stuff like this for when he does retire. But um, I guess that's my question is kind of what it looks like six months out the off season, you know, next year. Um, that's the big kind of curious point for me. I think, honestly, if um, I think there's going to be a point where he's probably doing it at least for every optic game. Yeah, I don't see I don't see a world where um, he's not doing it for at least optics matches, especially if optic is a pretty good team, which um, if we've seen them, you know, recently, they look like a pretty good team. They look pretty rejuvenated in that sense. But um, I mean, even if he doesn't, I think nothing's really or nothing much is going to change. I mean, people are still on like People are going to like come into the streams in waves when fucking Vegas and like mutineers were playing. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, if he's there for optic games or the majority of them, I don't think um, there's going to be any negatives. But I mean, we'll see. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't. Yeah. Because Call of Duty is obviously where he came from. And and granted, I think he can pull viewers like that on other games with time. I think, dude, if he's trying to just like have his streaming career take off for now, like, bro, he he has it easy, right? He can just sit there and and watch games kind of like how like what Tom does and just talk to chat, bro, yeah. and relax. Like he doesn't need to do anything special. So we'll see. Um, also, there could be a way where uh, the CDL starts kind of like incentivizing him to do it. Yeah. I don't know if uh, there, there could be a deal there that may be already be in place that we might not know about or or one in the future. But I mean, if if the CDL doesn't to some degree try to keep this guy invested in the Call of Duty League um, as much as possible, they are stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, so on that note, let's talk about the optic team and how they looked. We got a new uh, a new optic team, new old slash optic team. Dashy's back. Um, thoughts? Did it go better than expected? Yes, better than expected. Sorry, I'm drinking the water. No, you're good. I, I, go ahead, go yeah, ahead, I would say it went better than expected. Um, and I, but I, mainly that's because they just were a new bunch, right? Like, but but I think on top of being better than expected, Chris, there's always, and this happens with almost every team is those honeymoon periods, right? When everything's going right, right? Seth retired. He's doing the watch party. Everyone's hyped up for the team. Um, there's a lot of like camaraderie. Like you saw in Seth's retirement video, it was like, Dashie, you better not let me down. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was kind of a, uh, it's kind of a perfect storm for them to all really rally behind, uh, you know, someone like Seth retiring and, and all be at their best. Um, I, but I would say, yeah, in terms of performance, it, it probably did go better than what some people were expecting. Um, I think they meshed pretty well, and they played at a pace I don't think they were playing at beforehand. Um, but but as always, like every team, like that only goes as far when you're able to get the kills that they're they're getting. Um, and so, to me, I think I think they look. This optic team was always going to be a top six team, right? At worst, they're never going to fall into those like bottom six bubble, no matter what, just because of the pure talent they have on the roster. But 
uh, my big question, and we haven't seen this yet, is like them up against Se- uh, not Seattle Ultra. I know they beat Ultra, but but Ultra uh, phased in New York on land, and really see what what this optic team is made of and how they look in, in that environment. I mean, we can sit here and look at the qualifiers as much as po- uh, you know as much as we want, but at the end of the day, bro, land is a completely different story. Um, these guys are all very good land players. Obviously, they've won um, championships, uh, world championships, et cetera, et cetera. So these guys obviously all know what they're doing but at the end of the day man it's hard it's always hard to point out who the best team in the game is and all that stuff because we won't know until the major Mm. um but at least right now from what optics been able to do um we've already seen them take down one of of our said top three teams in toronto um we'll see how they can do against you know the likes of phase new york and obviously you know when that major comes around um i'm interested to see how this team develops because i mean for the lack of practice that they've had they've looked damn good and they look a lot better in search which was their huge weakness um you know with with scump on the roster and uh the team before you know huke so if they can get these hard points rolling and i think they will because i mean dude look at the roster look at the talent that they have i mean like you're telling me that those guys can't win hard points yeah. i mean they're due they're going to be due for some in, in a couple series if they keep their snd gameplay up i could see these guys being a real threat um you know i'm i'm optimistic for sure but at the end of the day we're not going to know until the major uh, when these guys have a lot more pressure on their shoulders to perform yeah now has anyone has anyone like uh publicly talked about uh some sort of like role change with rambo because i i think it's been pretty obvious that he that he has shifted a little bit in in where he is and he doesn't seem to be as involved um during matches uh is has has there anything came out about that any thoughts on that in general I leaked it on the the flank, but he they they've been scrimming in our, in my team's team speak. Uh, well, it's not my team's team speak, but it's Ender's team speak um, that they use, and we happen to scrim in there. And I saw that uh, Rambo wasn't in their scrims. Um, it's just been JP, and um, although I think Rambo is a great coach, and or he could be a great coach, I, I've never had the experience with him. He's very tenured, very smart person. Um, they obviously had you know differences on how they want to approach the game and. Uh, I think it's very smart of him to kind of like take a step back, let the players handle it. Cause I, I know JP, he's a smart guy, but he's more of an analyst. He's not, he's never played. So from on the coaching aspect and stuff like that, an in-game leadership type of aspect, he's probably not going to have the same intangibles that let's say Rambo has, or even some of the players do. So I think optic took the right approach. If he's not obviously going to be there a uh, full time anymore in terms of let the players see what they can do on their own. Let them, you know, um, take control of the team and stop feeling like they're kind of like controlled by Ray. And and if they do well, great. And if they don't do well, then maybe Ray can step back in or maybe they find somebody else that can fill those shoes. So, I mean, assuming he's not going to be at the major and he's not going to be their full time coach anymore. I think this was a smart move to kind of let the let the new let the players, you know, test the waters and see what they can do. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of honestly, I'm kind of confused by this whole situation. Um, one because there's not been anything said about it, um, and so I don't know if there's like any bad blood or you know if if the players it was a player's call or it was Ray's call. Um, another thing is like I saw a few things on Reddit where like you know how on Discord you can like see what somebody is doing, like their activity, if they're playing a game or something. Yeah. Um, I guess somebody on Reddit was in like uh, one of the discords that Ray's also in and like um, during an optic match, Ray was like in some random game on like at least his discord activity feed, like someone creeped and found that. 
Um, and so it is interesting, right? Because Ray's not only, or at least was not only the coach, but also the GM. Um, and, and, and yeah, I just don't know what the landscape looks like. Maybe he took it as an opportunity of Seth retiring. Maybe I can step down from coaching the active roster. Um, we've kind of always heard that like Ray may not also agree on how all the players want to play the game, uh, and stuff like that. Maybe it's an experiment, right? Maybe they're just testing. Um, and so, so yeah, for me, I just, I'm kind of confused by it all. And I'm really hoping that, you know, in the next optic, whatever the video series they do, if they give some yeah. information or something like that, because as of right now, it just looks like there's just a, a bad blood issue and Ray's not involved. Um, do you think part of the is, reason, sorry, go ahead. It's just, I was just going to say, it's just, a, it's just a weird situation overall for me. Do you think part of the reason that that this may work better for them is kind of what we touched on last episode in the sense that that there is a weird respect thing between players and coaches kind of in this era and and having someone like an analyst like JP is a little different and might work better in some cases than a coach because like he's just there delivering numbers and then they're there to to essentially figure it out and do do with what they want with those numbers. I would honestly argue that the type of players on this optic team are players that don't really want to be coached by an old style player. Um, whether that may be true or not, I'm not sure. I'm not in their their scrims, but but from playing with Huke right in Bo4, like I could I could say I definitely got that vibe um, because I mean the, the, most of these guys came up in like the cracked Call of Duty era of yeah. players where like the Bo4s, the IWs, where you're just playing with a ton of pace and you're not really playing with much strategy, especially in games like this maybe modern warfare 2 is a little bit better than vanguard and maybe the first modern warfare but um yeah maybe these players just don't really want to be coached they're they're more just free flowing in how they approach the game uh so yeah so maybe it is an advantage um i don't think uh i i do think the people on this team um think about call of duty a bit differently than ray neither neither way is wrong but it's definitely a different approach and so yeah i think maybe it may be an experiment where they're saying okay Maybe if these guys do their own thing, will it work better for them? I I, I definitely agree with you, Pat. I think um, this game you got it's a lot of it's just a lot of. I mean, Call of Duty in general like has gone way more like reaction based. It's not so like A B C like you plan know, strategy you know, yeah. plan strategy. It's more like free flowing, and I think a lot of the player decisions. Um, are key and dude if you look at the team that they have like these guys are like players that have a lot of finesse like they're a lot of like free-flowing um they they like to kind of just like they they they, they go rogue like they're the, those type of players and and if a, if a player like or if a coach like ray is like trying to like get these guys to play with a lot of structure i think to a degree it could confuse them to a degree where they're just like like thinking like remember how we were i think i don't know if we had this conversation in the last reverse sweep but i remember i said i was telling someone how if you go over mistakes too much, it starts to put a lot of mm. doubt in your head because you start overthinking situations. It's more so like you you want to reinforce all the positive stuffs that you do in a game and not so much the negatives because the negatives, if you start, you know, going over like, oh, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. When it's time to execute a play, instead of you just going and doing the play, you're going over these situations in your head. Should yeah. I do it? Should I not? And it starts to confuse people. I'm not saying these guys aren't smart and they can't discern that for themselves, but like you got to think it definitely does play an impact in in terms of like the comfortability that some of these players can have, especially with such a roster um, as Optic, because you know these guys just run. They play at such a fast pace. Um, you got to let these guys make the decisions. You got to let these guys flow, and uh, they'll they'll correct their own mistakes. I think uh, they're taking the right approach. Yeah, yeah, 
I love that. Um, before we get on to, to kind of a hot topic in the last like couple hours, um, just another reminder, guys, if you're watching this live, we get a lot of live viewers during the premiere of this show. So this is kind of for the live viewers. If you're watching, you're watching. Hit the subscribe button. Just one more reminder. Anyways. Just a quick scroll up, right? Just, yeah, just a, quick, button, yeah, just a quick flick, tap. Flick on, of the wrist. On, yeah, flick, flick of the, the wrist, wrist all with the episode. Um, so Slasher just tweeted not too long ago in the last like hour or two. Um, we're recording this on Sunday night. Uh, just some direct complaints, whether it's just about the game in general, audio, red dots on the minimap. Um, I have heard that there, there's like weird audio settings that help you hear the game like exceptionally better than like standard vouch. settings. Um, and then obviously snaking, like all of these things, like to some extent we've had little cheesy things in games in the past. Is it like really amplified in this game? And, and I guess you can kind of talk about that, Chris. Um, but what, yeah. what are your thoughts? As a player, 100%, I agree. This game doesn't have a lot of skillful movement mechanics. It's just point and shoot. So players are going to take every single edge they can get to put them at advantage. People are going to snake um, because obviously no one wants to get snaked that's accidentally. So the whole GA goes out the window. So people are going to just kind of like, and I'm in that boat. I would much rather know I'm going to get snaked than somebody accidentally do it because it's kind of inevitable when you prone and stand up and like win a situation or a game because of it, I'm going to feel cheated, right? So that's at least my take on the snaking stuff. In terms of the audio settings, yes, there's this setting in the game. I'm going to leak it to some more people that if you guys are not familiar with it, if you go into the audio control panel in Windows and you go to your playback devices, you go to like your Astros or whatever the hell you used to like listen to game audio, you can turn this thing on called loudness equalization. And what it does is it clamps the like really big sound. So for example, gunshots, it clamps them down and it raises the lower frequency stuff like footsteps. So what it does is it makes it so you can sit there and crank your Astros like as loud as you want. And somehow shots are going to sound really quiet, but footsteps, dude, it's literally crazy. You can sound, you, you can sound more people across the map. Um, try it for yourself if you've never done it. But whenever I gave it to my teammates and challengers for the first time and they had no idea it was a thing, like one of them was, it was funny. He was like, dude, it's like I'm pre sound whoring people. I was like, what? It's like pre sound people. <laughs> I was so confused. I'm like, dude, this should not be a thing. Um, the game, the game we've already known is uh, it's been the skill gap has slowly just gone out the window with down map down design, down weapon design, uh, movement mechanics being removed, and then on top of that, all the cheesy stuff. Like it's not, it's not been addressed. Snaking is still a thing. It's been a thing in every game. Um, like, dude, my, they my, just, I don't know what they're doing. My take on snaking, um, and, and this, I mean, <sighs> here's my problem. Chris, I, I do agree with you. I think, you know, getting accidentally snaked is annoying, but my problem is snaking has always been a thing. It's been a thing in every Call of Duty since the beginning. And I think the, the big problem for me, and I think this is kind of what Slasher's uh, call out was, is that it's just accepted now that it's so common that people like think to do it. Like you're actively trying to snake in examples. We didn't, and, and this is just objectively facts. Like we didn't try to do that back in the day. Like I never was behind a heady and just thought to myself, I'm going to snake. Like that's just not what players did. Um, and it was so much less common. And I think now it's got to the point where it's just like, so widely accepted that everyone's kind of doing that as a, a gameplay strategy. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the one thing that I hate from it is that it's clearly abusive and it's just so many people have widely adopted just doing it. 
And everyone's just kind of accepted, okay, there's no fix, so I'm going to do it too, and you're going to do it, and we're just going to all do it. Uh, and, and that's that's kind of, I just, that's the frustration that I read when I saw Slasher Street, because he was he was in Ghost, you know, he came up in BO2 and Ghost. He, it just wasn't a thing back then to do it and, like, be proud of doing it. And I think that's the yeah. era we're in, where players are just, like, <laughs> proud to do cheesy, nowadays, abusive Pat, mechanics. And that's, nowadays, that we, back in the day, bro, you did cheesy, abusive <laughs> mechanics, and, like, you were a loser. Like we, we didn't like you. Like that's that's how it was looked at. And now it's like we tip it. And so <laughs> bro, um, tippable form is what they call yeah, it. It's like, oh, nice yeah. form. Nice form. That, that that's what I hate is that we tip the cheesy abusive mechanics. Like the lay down on the stairs thing. Like yeah. good play. Like it's you just wanna, you wanna what else contributes to it though, Pat? It's like another reason why the skill gap is so low. It's it's the multipliers, right? No one wants to sit behind a piece of cover. And have a guy come around the corner and just blow you away because naturally, if you're behind a piece of cover, what's the only thing showing? Your upper chest and your head. And what are these guns good at doing? If you hit the upper chest and the head with multiple bullets, you fucking zap people. And, and also you the flinch. The flinch is directly up. Like if you shoot somebody in their chest and then you get flinch, it's a guaranteed headshot. Like it's, yeah. it's so dumb. You can't just sit behind head glitches anymore because of this type of shit. If multipliers, if multipliers and stuff like that were removed, uh, more people would probably just hold angles because you can't just get blown away, you know, by a guy coming around the corner and two shotting you into the dome. But I mean, in general, like I think everyone, including Slasher, um, who's been a little bit more vocal about it, is just frustrated with the state of the game in Call of Duty because they continue to to let these, you know, mechanics and and you know, just things that no one wanted, no one wants changing into the game. Like for example, the red dots. And um, this is just another thing that I guess we can touch on. Like season two of this game. Uh, for the casual community and Warzone community and stuff like that, competitive community, it's been delayed. It's been now like four months since the game released, and a lot of these frustrations have not been fucking addressed. You know, it's been um, two, three months now without content. We we we've had no new maps. We uh, the competitive community needs some maps, man. We have clear issues in our map pool. There's been no balance changes since uh, season one. There's so many things that Call of Duty has not addressed outside of like the balance. Like they haven't even got to the content point. So at what point are we going to get some actual fixes to the issues that Modern Warfare has in the competitive community? Probably not ever. But I mean, every, everyone's just kind of frustrated with it. Slasher included. Yeah. Now, honestly, I, I want to ask you guys, do, how different do you think this game's going to be year two from what it is right now? I'm. I think it's gonna be the exact same. Honestly, <laughs> I, I I genuinely don't feel like things are gonna change. Not not for the better and, and not for the worse. I I just think that they've like from a gameplay standpoint, they're obviously gonna push content out. But from I don't I don't think like I could be wrong. But personally, I just don't see the dev side making major changes to how the game plays. Yeah. Um. And, and so I think to me at least, like I kind of wish they would, even if it was for the worst, just so it wasn't as stale. Um, but, but like, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't see them changing major things like that. So year two is going to be interesting. I mean, that was always, I, <sighs> that's the problem with the gamble on going a, a two year strategy in call of duty is because we have three different devs and like one could make a good game and you could be like, yes, I got two years on a good game. And then you could get a bad game and be like, damn, I got two years on a bad game. And so it's, it's a double edged sword. Um, I, I think, though, honestly, if they can just somehow produce maps that play well, um, 
especially in in, in arena style maps 6v6 like traditional sizing um i think cdl can adapt and and play 4v4 uh, or not play 4v4 but play on those maps and it it play well but i don't see any major changes happening to the game so i think we're pretty much going to see the same stuff yeah, I don't. I don't see a world where they somehow add red dots and dead silence and up yeah, the they've time been this, to kill. They've been this stubborn or, so far. Yeah. Or 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 all of a sudden, yo, bunny hop jumping is back. So maybe there's a little bit of extra added movement mechanics or slide canceling somehow yeah. comes back. I don't see a world where that happens as much as I. I would definitely like you know for certain things to kind of come back so that way we can actually have some skillful gameplay outside of just point and click sound horror like. I don't know. I don't think it's going to change much. I think we're just going to keep getting maps and and stuff like that. And dude, imagine none of the maps are good and we just like keep the same map pool for two years. Holy. Yeah, like you can't put any new ones in. Yeah, <laughs> you're this is just not good. <laughs> just no embassy control B point yet. No, any, no, no, no embassy. And honestly, we might get embassy control if we're desperate enough. Probably, but probably not. That map was horrible. To to, to piggyback off that though. Can you like you guys both have played for a long time and Call of Duty is such a unique esport in the sense that a lot of people talk about like the adaptability from game to game every single year. Um, you're playing a new game, a new title. The the developers are switching. Can you guys touch a little bit um, on what it's been like to compete, I guess, in Call of Duty and have that game change year by year? And we see these players that are getting frustrated, but. I mean, there is a little bit of justification behind it because you have like League of Legends and Valorant, CS:GO, that very minimal changes on, on a on a regular basis. Um. Mm. Honestly, I'm kind of glad that we have had multiple games because I mean, I think if we were stuck with one, outside of like the perfect you know, one, maybe, you <laughs> maybe two titles ever in the creation of Call of Duty, the games would have been fucking miserable. Yeah. Um, I also think that Call of Duty releasing every year is one of the reasons why it's stayed popular. Um, I don't think from a casual perspective, they've done enough as a franchise outside of, you know, finally bringing in a BR that's been able to kind of retain players. I think um, the arena shooter, um, the arena shooter type game is kind of just falling off, you know, FPS is from like, unless it's like a competitive built FPS, for example, like CSGO or like Valorant, um, arcade shooters have kind of fallen off the band, like the, the bandwagon. Look at like Halo, for example, yeah. Halo sat there and tried to innovate multiple times and stuff like that, but it's failed to kind of attract uh, new people. I think the only thing that I think the thing that saved call of duty was a BR. So, yeah. um, as a competitor for this long, I think call that's one of the reasons why Call of Duty um, succeed in the first place was the the yearly releases. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of glad that we did that, and I didn't mind adapting to every game. I kind of found it fun, but um, ideally, from a competitive scenario, I would I would much rather have a stricter title that's actually good with added content, but. I think Black Ops 2, right, Pat? You said it was the perfect one. I think that was made by accident. And for some reason, oh, as much totally, as people yeah. say, as much as people say, yeah, dude, they should just remake BO2 and add new maps. I'm like, no one, they haven't done it. They just keep trying to innovate things that don't need innovating and bringing in more useless shit. So, I don't know. I'm glad you brought that up, though, Chris, because, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I do think there was a fun aspect of, each year having a new title to learn and perfect and things like that 100%. clearly comes with its downsides of like shit we got a bad one this year like and and it kind of you know hurts hurts the momentum um 
but but i think to your point on like the arena fps market um definitely changing and getting a little stale i mean hey i just stopped competing and now and now i've moved over to work on on one of those new fps titles and uh it, it gives me a lot of kind of um not freedom, but like in, in terms of the development process, like really providing input on things that I think have went the wrong and, and should be reinstated or fixed and stuff like that. So um, that to me is kind of the new exciting part of like being in the arena FPS and, and, and to your point, Chris, like kind of getting it out of that, that, you know, wanting arena FPS to be back to the dominance that, that it, that it once was. So yeah, um, make make arena fps is great again yeah, <laughs> yeah i love yeah, the inside yeah. boys i love it um let's get into some of the matches so we 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 kind of did a long roundabout game optic let's let's do some highlights capsule filled in this weekend for la thieves um they've been struggling a little bit so it was maybe not the worst thing in the world that they 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 had a little bit of a different look uh what'd you guys think of cap coming in on lat I think Cap played great. Um, he showed up and did what he could. Um, LA Thieves, at, at the end of the day, um, has a lot of talent on their roster, but they've been, you know, failing to put it together. But, I mean, in the last match that they played, granted it was against, what, London. Um, he had a really good series. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm assuming Kenny will be back for the major, but there's a possibility that he might not be back for the major. So we'll see if they continue to use Cap. But I think... I don't know with this LA Thieves theme. They need they need something. I don't know if they're just the slowest learners of all time or these these guys just need to step up their game. I mean, we saw glimpses of that in the in the London series, but at the end of the day, bro, they're playing London with like a new roster change again. Like I don't know. These guys just don't look good on this game. Yeah, I, I think I honestly I think we were as accurate as it gets when we talked about this last time. Um I just I, I did hear Sam say that he just thinks they're like a shitty major one, major two team. Um, but because even go back to Vanguard and looking at their major two record, they were like one in five or oh in five, whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think Cap did play well. Um, but even if Kenny is back and is back in form, I just I don't have faith in this team like coming into an event and like dominating at all. Like I. I don't know. This game just to me just doesn't kind of fit their style. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting because, you know, they're probably, from what I heard, they're probably going to play with Cap for at least another weekend. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they need a serious turnaround. Well, yeah. it's crazy. As much as I want to see the Thieves do better because I got some people on there that I'm pretty good friends with, I think it's a good thing that they suck <laughs> just for the sake of in the offseason – after, you know, Vanguard, or not Vanguard, Modern Warfare first season is over. If these guys continue to have lackluster performances, they're going to add to that roster pool of players and teams that are looking for changes. And that's going to make Roster Mania a whole lot more exciting if these guys continue to suck. If these guys end up bringing it back, have another good run at a world championship, and, you know, look like the Thieves of last year, like... You know, it's going to make Roster Mania a little bit less exciting. So at least from a person like outside of, you know, having friends on there and wanting them to succeed. If these guys kind of suck as a team, like you got to think these guys get picked apart and make moves in the offseason, which could create, you know, some excitement for the scene. So, I mean, Absolutely. we'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell with these guys because these guys are they, they were slow learners last year. We were ready to, basically to give up on them. But I mean, there's not many more things they can do now to kind of like change their formula. Right. They found it. They got to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And before we move on, obviously, well wishes to Kenny. Hopefully you're doing all right, bud. Um, 
And I, I one team we haven't talked about and we haven't really gotten a, a chance to touch on has been Rocker. Um, kind of interesting, like, lopsided performances here and there. What are your guys' overall thoughts on the Rocker team and kind of what do they need to do in these last couple weeks of the qualifier before heading to Boston? Ah, uh, this Rocker team. Um, <laughs> I'm just not high on these guys. <laughs> I didn't like the roster they put together in the offseason. I know there was a lot of mixed opinions on whether they'd be good or, or bad or whatever, but I personally just, and, and I've thought this for a while, is to me they didn't like they didn't build a star team. They got they got basically a worse version of a good team, right? Uh, Toronto Ultra was a really good team the last few years, and I feel like when they when they got Cami and got Bance, they just basically formed a, and, and brought along Afro, formed a version of what Toronto Ultra had, but are a little bit worse in like every mode and every way. Pat, do so, you remember when we were going over? My bad to cut you off, Pat, but do you remember when we were going over like? tier list of all the teams and we had toronto ultra at like like they like a or s tier yeah and then people were saying you know rockers rocker look at rocker rockers definitely rockers <laughs> yeah. in a better spot than toronto in terms of the tier list and i was like oh, ultra got like, better what? rocker got worse like how would that <laughs> yeah, be possible dude yeah i was that's what i was saying i'm like dude i'm, I'm in agreement with you but you can continue pat I, what, I, what i'm pissed about from this rocker team is that like they've I, I and I hate to say this because I, I do like these guys on a personal level, but I feel like they just need a, a switch up and the coaching staff. Like they've, I feel like they've had the same game plan every year. Um, and it, to me, they've they've spent a lot of money every off season. They've they're obviously invested into getting a winning team, but they've had piss poor results, especially on land. Like to me, um, I just. I, I, I don't is, have faith. What, is, what are Looney and Brian Saints telling them uh, before every map <laughs> one, I, bro? <laughs> I, I just mean like, what? Well, no, I don't mean just those two guys, but just, just in general football. of like how they build rosters and like what their game plans are and stuff like that. Because yeah, to bring up their map ones, it's pathetic. They they can no matter what the roster is, their map one they just can't win map ones, um, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, I think I think the major standout for me over the last the course of the last two years, um, with him being on Ultra and then now on Rocker, I think it's just Cammy, man. I mean, everyone was so high on Cam, including myself, after his uh, season in Cold War with Toronto Ultra, and then ever since uh, that season, he's kind of just started to kind of slowly get worse and worse or more inconsistent. I don't know if it's that's you know the teams he's been on or um you know something else but he just does not look like the superstar player that you know we saw that year. I think that's like the biggest catalyst because obviously if you're looking at the team from top to bottom if Cammy was playing as good as he was in Cold War hypothetically to that skill level having him in Afro would be amazing and then attach yeah, the and Vanguard is right is their best player. But yeah that's the problem. It's like you get production out of Afro most of the time. And then Bance is like the other one that's been pretty damn consistent for their team. And outside of that, it's just like, bro, where are they? Where, where rockers rockers, not just in their winning search and destroys anymore. And they're still not winning hard points. Um, for me, rocker outside of like the fortress map pool, right. With search and destroy control and hard point. What are these guys good at? Nothing. Maybe a CeeLo a control? <laughs> like, I don't know what they're good at because I Even can't then there's Fugues wins. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. This this team is just complicated. Um, honestly, until they can just fix their game one, I don't know what to say about them, right? <laughs> like, if you just come out in every series and get smoked game one, you're not that great at S&D, so you might be just instantly down 0-2. 
Like, why are you only good in the tail end of a series? Like, why can you never come out hot? Like, I know they just 3 0 FaZe, but I think that was a massive off day from FaZe because what we saw the next day, they get smoked by smoked by LAG and FaZe, FaZe looked pretty good and beat NYSL. So, I don't, I don't know. This team makes no sense to me. I honestly, I don't have a fix for them at the moment um, because I don't think they can make roster changes in the current landscape. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, even then, I, I don't, I'm not sure who to get rid of because to yeah. your point, Chris, like the stars aren't playing like the stars and the bad play or not the bad players, but the 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 role players we'll call it is is playing like yeah. the stars. They so. they have fame on their bench. Sense. They have fame on their bench, but I, I think Fame can run an AR. He's done it in other CODs, but currently he's a sub player for the Rocker Academy team, and their sub players are looking like probably their best players right now. So they can't just go one for one and swap them over and try to get you know create some different like dynamic in the team so i mean we'll see how these guys have developed but uh, i mean if these guys have another stinker you know in major two um i wonder how long these uh online wins are going to be able to kind of satisfy their needs before they decide to you know we're hungry we need to change we need to you know we need to start eating so yeah you know, we'll see we'll see what the future holds for those guys Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I feel like this year and at the stage that we're in right now, I feel like it's so it seems so hard to predict apart from a couple teams how like a big chunk of the league is going to do in Boston. And I feel like post Boston, would you guys say that there's going to be a, a pretty large amount of roster switches um, after that? Or, or, or what are we so. thinking? Because I hope so, James. <laughs> there has to be. Right, we already knew Seattle um, wanted, you know, Pred wanted to leave, um, so like he obviously doesn't have his heart set on that team. Um, they've been playing poorly. We know those guys are pretty inconsistent. They are good on land. I'll give them that. Their response great, but you know that team wants to make a change. Rocker isn't playing particularly well. Even like on the lower end, look at Mutineers. Like these guys obviously need change if they want to be competitive. They can't just sit there and be like, okay, we're going to be this you know S and D team the whole time. Like they got people like Dave Patty on the roster. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to ever get <laughs> subbed in, but like there's a lot of good challenger players this year. And I'm not going to say that some of these guys are going to all of a sudden take Muneers, for example, to a top fucking, you know, team. But like if they're trying to mix up some some dynamic, there's some talent that they can pull from. And at least for me, it's not entirely a risk because once again, we're playing a two year game. So if X challenger players are pretty good this year, they'll probably be good next year. So if yeah. you can bring in some of that talent and develop them and, and give the roster a switch up that you're pretty confident, in, why not do it? So. Listen, man, LAG did it. They brought in a whole ass academy roster. They look better than ever. You know, I could see a world where some of the lower end teams start, you know, making some sort of changes. And even on the higher end, like Rocker in Seattle, for example, like these guys definitely aren't going to be happy with the way they're playing if they continue to do this right now. Like, it's just, what are you well, doing if you don't my, make changes? My thing is, yeah, like I'm tired of these teams who we like, Everyone perceives them as like, yeah, you're you're already a bottom six team. You're in the bottom six currently. You're gonna end the bottom six team. Like, why do they roll the dice? Like, why do they say like we're in a shit spot? Like, let's just have faith in these guys and see if they turn it around. Because take some with, fucking risk with with dude with the with the format and how fast the season goes. It's like, do you want to be in like crunch time where you got to be perfect the rest of the season when you finally do make a change? Or why not be proactive and try and get a team in and get some wins now? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think a lot of teams did a very poor job this past off season. And I think now 
I mean, I, I would have said it a month ago, but I think now is the time that if you're going to make a change, you need to do it. Like, don't, don't, don't write it out and see if people can turn it around. Maybe they can, sure. But like, yeah. why take that risk? Like, because you, you, you're just going to find yourself in the same situation where you're seven through 12 crunch time. You got to be perfect. There's going to be a bunch of tiebreakers. So you didn't get a lot of wins. I just, I feel like people should just get ahead of that. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. LAG, I'm, I'm, obviously they had the best challenger team, but they, swapped the, the challenger roster in they came in they haven't even lost a hard point yeah they haven't played like every top team but like they're just coming in and frying in scrims and they're doing well like i feel like it's worth the risk especially in the in where you can do these 10-day contracts or even sign uh shorter ones the league isn't even that long these these leagues these league contracts are annualized so it's really going to be based on from when they got signed to the end of the season that like the amount of pay is and like you can get rid of players like i feel like or just need to be more more active like and, and figure out what works because they just they gamble in the off season and then they roll with it for the majority of the season i feel like that's just such a, a poor strategy people gotta start taking risk bro like there's been a lot of risks that worked <clears throat> out and some of them are, are kind of insane and maybe people didn't expect them but dude pred challenger player godlike siv challenger player godlike hydra challenger player godlike fucking who else you got kismet was in challenges for like two three years godlike like these teams are not making smart decisions invest in some of these players at worst you look the same but maybe in another year when these guys get some more time under that's the belt, thing none of these teams can get worse like they, they can't get worse like when we're talking yeah. about like some of these rosters like you literally can't get worse if you're the mutineers that's if you're vegas saying. if you're if you're london like like hell Yo, you're you rocker can't, you, you can't, can't get, get worse. worse at the very at the very worst you stay the same but maybe these guys get better after a year of playing. You don't know. But if you're going to continue continually recycle the same players and wonder why you suck and not make smart roster decisions, while all these other talented, hungry players are sitting on cha in challengers, like you're never gonna you're never gonna get better. I'm not saying you're gonna go out there and find Pred a BZ simp in challengers, but like at worst, you stay the same. Yeah. And at best, you take some risk and you make some damn improvements. Maybe you invest in some people, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you find it, you know, diamond in the rut. So, like, who knows? <clears throat> now, am, I might be faded for this, but I like is there a, is there a weird negative to a, a team like Rocker or Paris going on some sort of run at Boston and placing like second or third or 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 and then sticking together because they're like, okay, well, we can just improve. And then that roster kind of just stays in that spot for maybe longer than it should have because they performed well we've on land. It. Wait, that's the I, Seattle. We've seen it before. And it's also Florida. <laughs> it's also Florida. Yeah. Remember last year in Vanguard, Florida would like beat Optic and oh, get yeah. like a top <laughs> six at each event. But like, dude, they sucked. We all yeah. knew they sucked. Like, yeah, you had a couple like surprise, shocking upsets, but like you were over I, I say it all the time every time and be like ah. yeah i say it all the time some of these teams when they when they upset and get wins they shouldn't get it's the worst thing that could yeah. have happened to them because it gives them this false sense of like all right we can keep we can keep rocking with what we got it's like no oh. you can't yeah so, like, when they need to have LAG, that like if you're LAG not first last, last year yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so LAG so, last yeah, year I won think... a major, and all of a sudden thought they were. Yeah, it was really, the worst thing ever. They had they had the secret sauce, bro. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought up Seattle. I mean, I've always thought about the Seattle. Their their roster they have right now is just so wildly inconsistent. Yeah, they're gonna go and get second, like they did in Raleigh. Yeah. But now they're back. They haven't even won a match in the online qualifier. Um, and and I don't want to say this is like uh the pred optic situation because this isn't new. Like this happened all last year too. 
They would literally go to an event, get third, and then come home, be shit in the qualifiers, go to the next major and get 12th. And it's just like some of these rosters are just formed and they're they're wildly inconsistent. And yeah, like just take the risk. Go for the pack a punch. Like I feel like at this point in Call of Duty, you know when you're picking up a player who is probably better than someone you have, like just just go for it. Listen, sometimes you hit the mystery box and you hit the ray gun. Other times you hit the mystery box and you get this little pistol. Yeah, but you but... might get the Wonder Waffle too. Like. <laughs> the Wonder Waffle. The Wonder Waffle. The Wonder Waffle. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the Thunder? What's the Thunder? The Thunder, thunder Gun thunder or something? Gun. Thunder. Yeah, the Thunder Gun. <laughs> oh my God, man. Like, yo, somebody's going to hit the mystery box soon, right? I mean, it would spice it up for sure. And I feel like a lot of the young talents that do come from challengers, I feel like the Call of Duty space is getting a little more open to it to where like they kind of like love the little cinderella stories when these players get pulled up like capsule into I'd, obviously capsule was in the league before but he gets thrown in and all of a sudden everyone's kind of rooting for cap to do well and 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 getting him a spot or whoever ends up finding their way into the league that way yeah i mean it's always going to be difficult though because like sometimes like bro if you're cap you're getting put on a thieves roster it's not like you're getting put on like the worst roster in the yeah, league. you're getting yeah. put on a roster with world champions so performing might be kind of not performing might not be as hard but like the one thing that challenger or that that some of these organizations or some of these like people even like redditors man they do is like bro you'll see a, a challenger player that's really good in challengers get put on like the worst team in the league i'm like bro you think this man's superman like he ain't saving them like bro usually these one off changes are are not going to change the entire dynamic of a team and then and then all of a sudden you know this challenger player is all he's trying to you know give his all give it his all and and, and do do everything he can but like bro Bro, there's no saving it hell i'm not gonna say i'm the best player but i got put on like london for a, for a month and dude they were they were in like the worst state possible like mentally yeah. and like as a team and it's 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 impossible to play good yeah you can't yeah especially if you're trying to win but yeah different topic Anyways, uh, we'll move on to our community segment here a little bit. I just want to say to everybody that commented, uh, maybe some special guests. I read through a lot of them. Um, we have we have maybe reached out to, thrown a little, thrown a little dart in a couple places. Um, so we hear you. We read all of them, and uh, we're gonna see what we can make happen. Now, as for the questions, uh, when I was reading through the comments. A lot of it was Dashy related because everyone thought Dashy was not going to find their way back onto a roster. But I did find two comments. One was a, just a statement and one was a question. And the statement had me laughing for at least like five minutes straight. But our boy Marcus just commented, the older I get, the more I agree with aches. Dot, dot, dot. Fuck. Period. <laughs> hey, 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 Marcus, Marcus, listen, I'm glad you're finally understanding. Um, I feel like as as the Call of Duty community as a whole gets a little older, gets a little wiser, there's going to be a bunch of us on this train, but I can promise you this train's not going to stop rolling, Marcus. So <laughs> I'm glad to have you aboard because never... Never wrong, just sometimes early. So, so shout out to Marcus. I like that we love comment. That. We love that. And then the other one, this was this was actually directed towards you, Pat. Um, I haven't heard this story. I don't know how much you've really like dove into it and told the story, but with Scump retiring, what what was your like process like when it came to making the decision to retire? And like what was the nail in the coffin? Like when did you know like this is my last year, I'm done? I'm kind of, I'm going to move on from this. What was that kind of process like? Uh, yeah. So, um, 
I honestly, I think I kind of had a similar uh, a similar kind of path that Seth had in terms of like thinking about it before it actually happened. Um, cause, cause the BO4 season was kind of like that for me in a way, like, um, a lot of things just didn't go my way. Like, obviously we come off the world championship win with EG, we get moved to Envy, uh, we team up with Huke. Um, and we, that was kind of a big gamble and didn't know how that landscape would have looked. And I think as that roster fizzled out, right, we got a bunch of new guys, we got Pharaoh and JT and we lost Brian and, and silly and, um, then we had to pick up gunless cause you got transferred. Like it was just a lot of drama within the, within the roster that just got to the point where it was like, I mean, I think in 2019, I was like 25, 26. It was just like, damn, like I'm, I'm kind of getting tired, tired of this, like just happening. Um, and, and, and as the games change and, and are different and not necessarily the games that you like, like me personally, like I didn't enjoy BO4 as much and I didn't enjoy modern warfare. Um, obviously I got an opportunity on LAG to continue and make a roster, but it was at the last minute. It was kind of like a hell Mary, like all 11 teams were signed. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when I got put in a situation though, where, um, I was no longer on that LAG team and, and we obviously weren't doing well and the LAG team wasn't performing. Um, I tried at the very beginning of cold war to like dabble in challengers. Like I took kind of like, I didn't take the whole year off, but like after I got released from LAG, it was just kind of like, there was nothing for me to do. Um, and then I was like, okay, in Cold War, I'm going to try to play challengers. I'll see what it's like. Um, and for me, it was just like dealing with like the big age gap in players, like mm. playing with like different 18 year olds every week. Um, they're, they're t- and this is why I, I gave a lot of credit to like Krim. And, and, and I think it was part of what, what Krim ended up saying is like, he got tired of it too. It was just like, there's like a maturity level that's just different where you realize that your teammates aren't necessarily your friends anymore. Not because you don't want to be friendly with them, but because when we came up back in the day, everyone was in a really similar age range and we were all kind of like, um, you know, your friends or your teammates really could be your friends. And I think it just got to the point where it was just very business oriented in a way. And it didn't really, it was hard to have the same camaraderie between guys when you, Mm. Yeah, I'm new. I'm meeting a new guy every weekend, basically, to play with. Uh, And so, yeah, it was just kind of like one of those things where like life gets the best of you, and you're just like, I'm ready for something different and something new. Um, Obviously, I put 15 years of my life into scrimming every day and competing, and so it was just something where it was just like, I just don't want to do anymore, and I'm ready for something new. And I think Seth is is finally hit that hit that wall where he was just like, I just want something different. Yeah, I love that. Um, Did you like? Did you know that when you exited? away from competing that you wanted to get involved in like whether it's podcast stuff like this in the flank or did you be like oh i want to go down the developer route and and get involved in some title like how how did that process go yeah so it was interesting for me because when i retired it was like covid peak covid right Mm -hmm. like so um i think it was a much different landscape and i kind of took that time you know where nothing was happening in the world to kind of think about what i wanted um uh, consulting with Ubisoft kind of landed in my lap. It wasn't something that I like originally went out for or pursued. It was just kind of like great timing on both ends where it just appeared. Um, and at the time I wasn't doing any podcast. I mean, I was hopping on with Zuma or hopping on with whoever was doing a show and just being a, you know, a guest every once in a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I really fell in love with, with working at Ubisoft on X defiant. Um, and that was kind of just like, it sparked it. It was kind of like a new fire for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I really like what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, I'm excited. I'm getting pro players, um, and, and past peers involved and, and getting to see what we're working on and stuff like that. So I did really enjoy the development process and, and I, and I like it a lot. And 
obviously I got the opportunity when Tommy asked and Ben couldn't do it anymore to be a part of the flank. And that kind of just sparked this, like this new kind of side gig and, 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 uh, passion of doing these podcasts. Um, obviously the reverse sweep came along not too long after. Yeah. And I think it's just been a, uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been a fun balance for me. Um, obviously it's, it's a lot. My weekends are a little tough right now, but, but yeah, I mean, it's something that I've definitely feel like I'm in a really good spot right now. And I'm glad, cause I know it doesn't happen to every player, but I'm glad I was able to, to find something post career that I'm, that I'm really excited about doing every day. So yeah, uh, I love feel it. very fortunate in that regard. Beautiful. And I, th I think that like, obviously it's, it's a win anytime that we can keep anybody who ends up retiring in the space, like close to the scene in some way involved in some type of capacity, because as we get all these new players, like obviously we want to, we want to keep the old, the old talent and, and, and the old, I, old heads. Um, I want to note on that real quick. Um, yeah. cause this, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know Seth is b by far and away the most important, you know, him and a shot to, to the call of duty competitive space ever. But I do want to call out the CDL here because it's it's honestly extremely disrespectful that they've done this. Um, when I retired, nothing. When Krim retired, nothing. When yeah. Damon retired, nothing. Um, obviously, Seth got, as he should, as every player should, got their moment in recognition where it was just like a, a you know a big deal was made, a special tribute. Yeah. Um, there's been a ton, a ton of legendary Call of Duty players who put... 10 plus years of their life into this space into making this scene this community everything that it could be um and and they were never given their flowers by the cdl i feel like when the the merge happened from cwl to cdl mm -hmm. when that transition happened cdl really likes to act like the the, the cwl era and before like pre-2018 just 2019 never had never happened yeah. um and it's extremely disrespectful so um, you know, I, I, I don't care for me personally. I'm, I'm past it. It didn't matter that much, but for, for players who are involved now, um, and moving forward, those guys that do end up retiring whenever it may be the CDL better do a damn good job of giving everybody their flowers because without these players being involved and in putting as much effort and passion into it as they have the last, however long they deserve whatever amount of tribute they can get on a CDL broadcast on social, on, on 100%. a YouTube video, whatever it is. So um, I did want to call that out because it was extremely disrespectful that Krim, arguably, and in my opinion, the the you know greatest yeah. Call of Duty player of all time in terms of accomplishments, didn't get his spotlight. Um, and and there's been many more. So um, something I definitely wanted to call out um, so everybody's aware. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Um, as for the community section, I do think that wraps up that. We do have Pickums. Um, and again, Pat, thanks for sharing that that piece. Um, next week. Picked three matches. Uh, you guys can either go back and forth or, or 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 go one at a time. Either way. First one I picked out was Seattle Surge versus NYSL. Oh, this isn't even close. New York. Not even <laughs> close. I, I, I like that you picked this one, James, because this to me is like... Seattle right now is 0-3 in these standings. Like, if they want to have any shred of dignity to say, like, hey, we're not rolling over and just giving up, like, they need to come out with the fire in this series. Mm -hmm. Like, Pred, Pred and, and, and Sib have been doing their thing in, in majority of their games, even though they've lost. But for me, it's a big moment for Mac and, and Lamar and, and, and Sib and Pred to really just, like, shine. And it's like, if they don't, then... You know this team is going to going to major two in Boston and just getting shit on. So I think it's I think it's um, going to be hard though, Pat. They have to play against 
you know, oh, arguably no, the other best hardpoint team. No, no, like, that's what I'm saying, Chris. I, I, agree. I think search. I think NYSL is going to win this series, no question. But I, but I wanted to call out that 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 like this is Seattle's moment. Yeah, this is Seattle's moment to be like. You need to show that you aren't just rolling over and dying, basically. Yeah, um, like last chance so, for a little bit of confidence going into. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And, it, and it's a great to be against Chris. I think there's a double edge there with being NYSL. I feel like if you do do good against NYSL, you're gonna get more confidence than doing it, you know, good against Rocker or, or whoever. So, hundred percent. Um. So yeah, I think I think they need they desperately need to come out and and and, and turn some heads. But I got NYSL winning. I don't. I don't have faith in Seattle, but I was just saying on terms of what Seattle needs. I got no faith just in them doing dead, what I just said. Devil's advocate. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Chris, you said NYSL said easy. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I'd probably say the same. I think just from what I've seen, they they have seen a little checked out. Um, and I think I'd be a little drunk not to say NYSL. On to the next match. I picked LAG versus Phase. Obviously, LAG's been hot lately. Phase is. Been also hot, but also shown a little bit of inconsistency. Um, thoughts? Um, I'm gonna go with my boys on LAG, man. I'm doing the Frenchies. I mean, but regardless, I mean, LAG at the uh, pro am took phase the last map. You know, with their their old fourth diamond con. Um, Pat already said on the show he arguably thinks that Arsenies is an upgrade to this team. Maybe that's going to be able to push them over the edge. Um, but I do think this is going to be a good series. Um, it's going to be, you know, arguably one of the better hardpoint teams this split versus a team that is, is struggling in hardpoint. So I could see this going all the way. But, I mean, I'm just going to give the uh, the edge to my boys on LAG because, I, you know, I got some homies over there. But, I mean, this could go either way. This is a hard one to call for me. I'm going to go phase. Um and the reason is LAG has looked phenomenal in hardpoint so far, but they haven't been tested by a top dog. They 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 played Florida, played Rocker, um, forgot who they played yesterday. Chris, you know? Um, they played Seattle. No, yesterday thieves with us. They beat thieves with their actual team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they beat yeah. thieves. Yeah, okay, so okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So they played thieves, Florida, and um, Rocker. and Rocker. So I don't think they've been tested by a great hardpoint team. Um, and so I, I, I like this one. Uh, I think these hardpoints are going to be a good matchup. Uh, phase has been inconsistent in their hard point, so I do think it's an opportunity for LAG to take advantage. But I, but I have, I have Phase as my major two favorites. I think they're going to really come to come to to play in Boston. That's fair. Um, and so uh, I'm going to go Phase. Um, I think, I think if it if it goes Game Five, I got Phase for sure. But I think it could be could be a, an interesting Game Five um, if they, if LAG is able to win some some hard points. But I really want to see Phase come out hot and win this three uh, one and shut down this LAG is the the hard point Titans. So what far. you're uh, what you're saying though, Pat, also is uh, LAG is going to get tested this uh, this next day or week. They're yeah. going to play not only against Phase, but they're going to play against Toronto. So we're going to see them once again. They're going to be playing against you know two of our top three you know teams in the game right now. So it's going to be a fun one for LAG. I'm interested to see how they do against the top dogs for sure. Yeah, I think I want to see the Challengers boys do well too. So I'm I'm going to go with LAG on that. And um, final match. It I know which be, one it is. It, I, what do you think? What are the do optic you, versus yeah, phase? Of course, of course. We have to. We have to. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. I'm, I'm actually really excited for this. Chris, go ahead because you were going first in the other two. 
Um, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna I'm gonna side with the green wall. Um, this time I think as much as Phase look like a damn better team, and Optic uh, Optic's already been tested once by Toronto. They ended up beating them. I think Optic are you know they're feeling good, man. They got a lot to prove. Um, I think they're gonna come out hot, and this is gonna be a good. This is gonna be a good series. I'll, honestly, as much as I've you know always been you know called an, an Optic hater, um, I want to see the team do good. I want to see them get back to form because when Optic's doing good, it's good for the whole Call of Duty scene. And, uh, you know, I want to see these guys come out and fry. And uh, it's, you know, it's going to be a good series, I think. But I got Optic. Yeah, listen. <laughs> I'm riding phase for all the major two. They're my major two champions. Um, and so I, I do think this is going to be a really good series to watch. Um, it'll be another good test for, for this new Optic roster. Um, but I think FaZe coming off a reverse sweep clutch to verse NYSL, arguably the best team right now. Um, I think they're going to roll with this momentum. I think FaZe is going to look hot these next this next weekend going into Boston. And and if they go 2-0 this next week, um, I'm really, really confident on that FaZe pick coming into Major 2 and, and them just you know really making Major 2 this, this event win where they finally get over this hurdle of getting second, 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 um, and just come out and look dominant. So... Uh, I'm going to go phase. I think they're going to win it in 3-1. Might be a little scary if it goes game five. Optics looking good so far in game fives. I'm going to throw a weird one out there and say that if I think it's going to be whoever wins, like if only one of the teams win their first match of the weekend, it'll be whoever wins their first match. Probably both going to win. There's a better chance, I guess, that, that Texas beats Paris or Vegas. I'm going to do it every episode. Um but if they both win, I'm gonna go with Optic, and that'll be my 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 pick'em for the day. Um, and before we head out, everybody, again, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Keep filling up the questions. Um, I love being able to uh, ask these two and dive into their Call of Duty brains. So if there's anything that you want asked, uh, whether it's to to Parasite or Aches, um, make sure you put them in the comments below. I'll be going through all of them and hand picking them out. Um. Once again, gentlemen, it was a pleasure. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. Happy Monday. I hope everybody has a great week. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for uh, some more Call of Duty before uh, the Boston Major.